0: This evening, we're going to be looking at Psalm 116. I encourage you to open your Bible to Psalm 116. As we count down the days of Lent, we head toward the sad, dark day of Good Friday and the glorious joy of Resurrection Sunday. There has been no week full of such twists and turns in the history of the world, Christ, who was crowned on Palm Sunday, betrayed on Monday, Thursday, will be crucified on Good Friday, and this Sunday will rise in victory. Matthew 1:21 tells us early on that Mary will bear a son, and that she should call his name Jesus, for he will save us from our sins. In the Gospel of John, we hear the bold declaration of John the Baptist regarding Jesus. When he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Gospel of John tells the story of Jesus with a reference to time awaiting the final hour when he will be crucified to save us. And in Luke's Gospel, after Peter declares in clear terms the identity of Jesus, Jesus clarifies his mission as Messiah. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. A handful of verses later in Luke nine fifty one, we read, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. It is in Jerusalem that Jesus will be betrayed, beaten, falsely accused, and crucified to set us free. Jesus knew his mission required that he would enter the fires of affliction set ablaze by the sins of humanity. From birth to the grave, Jesus was always the Savior born to die to bring life to this sinful and suffering world. And as Isaiah 53 says, Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And he was not informed about grief from the words of a page, but through a lived experience of suffering. He entered into the afflictions of suffering with a quiet confidence in his heavenly Father. And though he knew the afflictions that he was about to enter, He still sat at table with his beloved disciples as he shared his last Passover meal. He calmly instructed them with the peacefulness of a man fully resolved and fully assured of his destiny. What could possibly give someone such great assurance in the face of great affliction? Psalm 16 this evening will tell us how that we can rest assured in our great affliction. Psalm 116 will show us how Jesus endured through his affliction with hope. Hear the reading of God's word in Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this good word of good hope for the afflicted. We thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ has entered into our affliction to give us hope as we face our own affliction. We praise you, Holy Spirit, that you open our eyes to behold the beauty of Jesus and the hardships of life. We pray, O Spirit, help us to see him now as we hear his word preached. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the psalmist in this text faces great affliction. Look at verse 3. It says, The snares of death encompass me. The pangs of Sheol lay hold on me. I suffer distress and anguish. In this verse, we see that death wraps its ropes over his body. It has bound him so that he is certainly about to die. Sheol has laid hold on him like a bully bearing down on the chest of its victim. There is no escape. He is stuck in a situation of great trouble that brings about great sorrow. He suffered distress and anguish. Verse 10 says, I believed when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. And at the Passover table, as Jesus sat with his disciples, he also was greatly afflicted. After saying these things, he was troubled in his spirit. Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me this evening. And later he reminds them, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He taught them, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He assures them in their sadness. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As Jesus bled, sweat of desperation, he fell down to his knees and he prayed before betrayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yet the psalmist and the Lord Jesus rest assured in the face of great affliction Because they knew and we know the Lord hears our pleas for mercy and delivers. We endure great affliction because God delivers great salvation. So how do we endure great affliction? Well, this text reveals to us that we endure by believing in faith and devoting in faithfulness. The death and resurrection of Christ created a ripple effect of risky mission for the early church. The early believers took very seriously Jesus' statement that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And they endured through these great afflictions because God delivers great salvation. One letter to the early church chronicles the martyrdoms of believers. And this martyrdom included the martyrdom of Polycarp, a disciple of John. In the beginning, it shows the secret to enduring afflictions. All the martyrdoms which God allowed to happen were blessed and noble. Who could not admire their honor, their patience, their love for the Lord? They were ripped to shreds till their veins and arteries were exposed and still endured patiently while even those who stood cried for them. They had such courage that none of them let out a sigh or a groan, proving when they suffered such torments they were absent from the body. Or rather, the Lord stood by them and talked with them. By the grace of Christ, they despised all the cruelties of this world, redeeming themselves from eternal punishment by the suffering of a single hour. The fire of their scavenged executioners appeared cool to them, Because they fix their eyes on the escape from the eternal, unquenchable fire. And they fix their eyes on those good things that await everyone who waits on the Lord in the midst of their affliction. Those things which no ear has heard, which no eye has seen, which no human heart could ever imagine, but revealed to them by the Lord. How do we endure such great affliction? By believing in faith. We believe in God's goodness. Look at Psalm 116, verse 5 through 7. The psalmist says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And as we face great affliction, we must look on with the eyes of faith to our God who is gracious, merciful, and preserving. We must believe his grace. We must remember this grace of God which assures us of his favor in our affliction. This gracious God fulfills all of his promises in perfect righteousness. He is the covenant keeper for covenant breakers. We trust in him that through the suffering of the cross of Christ, we will have the abundance of the resurrection. On the other side of our affliction will be eternal bliss with God in heaven. Or when Jesus returns, glorious joy in the new creation. We must believe in God's mercy. This God moves to the groans of his people rather than punishing their guilt. He is the God who sees us in all of our distress and looks on us with pity. We will not always suffer, but He will give us relief. We must believe in God's preserving providence. By His great power and gentle compassion, the Lord cares for us and protects us. Jesus, who has overcome the world by His death, will free us and finally rescue us in our affliction. We can rest secure because God is with us and he keeps us in his arms of love. This gracious, merciful, and preserving God will deliver our soul from death, our eyes from tears, our feet from stumbling. But he will also deliver us to his eternal presence in the eternal city. Look at verse 9. It says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This affliction will not stop our steps in the coffin of death. No, we will walk before the Lord. And this tells us that we will behold God's goodness and his grace in clear sight. We will have great delight in God's presence. Just as the Lord walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, So he will walk with us in perfect fellowship, unhindered by sin. We will also walk in the land of the living. This is either a reference to the rescue from death and continued life on this earth, or it is a rescue through death to the eternal city in the new creation. This is why the psalmist can say in verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because we know that Christ came to bear our sin once and will return to bring final salvation. And when he returns, he will not only resurrect our bodies, but he will restore all of creation back to its flourishing. All who trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So we can also say along with the psalmist. That we believed, even when we said, we are greatly afflicted. You see, this Lord Jesus will bring the new creation. And this frees us to speak honestly about our affliction. Because we know that though we presently experience affliction, we will fully experience God's presence in this new creation. The psalmist then moves on and asks a very appropriate question for anyone who has received such extravagant grace. What shall we render to the Lord for all of his benefits to us? Whenever we realize God's goodness to us, we long to render something to him. In some instances, this word render means to pay back what has been stolen. If you look at Exodus 21:33, it says that if you were to dig a pit and cover it and a donkey were to fall into that pit, the owner shall make full restoration. He shall render payment for that lost donkey. But this cannot mean that we pay back God for all of his generosity to us. We can never repay him our eternal debt for our sin. So then how is it ever possible that we could pay back this generous God for his eternal grace given through Jesus Christ? No, we don't pay back God for his grace. But all we do is we lift up our cup and we ask for God to pour into it the sweet flavors of his salvation. We drink of the flavors of his love because Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath. You see, this rendering is not a payback to the Lord to make up for anything he's given to us. But this payback is a devotion, a faithful devotion to a God of all grace. It is a grateful devotion. Because the Lord delivers, we believe in faith and we devote in faithfulness. We respond in faithfulness and service to God. The psalmist says that he will pay his vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. This means that those who receive God's grace respond in faithful commitment to him and to his work. As Psalm 16, 116, 16 affirms, we are God's servants. The Lord loosed the bonds of Israel and their slavery in Egypt in order to free them that they would be his servants in Israel. In a very similar way, the Lord has loosed our bonds of slavery to sin to make us His servants through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus served the poor with food. He served the sick with healing. And He served His disciples with cleansing water as He lowered Himself to wash their feet. And the Lord Jesus Christ served us with cleansing blood as he lifted up on the cross to wash away our sin-stained record. Jesus saves, so we serve. We devote in faithful thankfulness to God. The psalmist says that he will offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and he will call on the name of the Lord. We call on God's name and give praise and thanks for all that he has done for His deliverance in the cross of Christ as He saved us of our sin, and for His regular deliverance throughout our life. We offer to Him our resources and our very lives because He has offered to us His whole life on the cross. All of our giving to God flows out of His gracious giving to us. We endure great affliction because God delivers great salvation. So we must... Respond. We must believe in faith and devote to faithfulness. Much like Jesus, Polycarp was betrayed by people from his own household. He was arrested, tried, and asked to deny his Savior before the proconsul. The proconsul tried to persuade him to apostatize, saying, Have respect for your old age, swear by the fortune of Caesar, repent and say, down with the atheists, those Christians who have rejected our gods. Polycarp looked grimly at all the wicked heathen multitude in the stadium, and gesturing towards them, he said, down with the atheists. Swear, urged the proconsul. Reproach Christ. Give up your faith. Turn from your Savior. And with a calm and collected demeanor, Polycarp said, 86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my God and my King? You see, in his affliction, he believed in faith and devoted to faithfulness all the way to the very end of his life. And beloved brothers and sisters, as you face your great affliction, your Lord Jesus Christ entrusted Himself to His faithful God all the way to the end, even to the point of shedding His blood for your forgiveness. So as we wait for a good Friday when He'll be crucified, and as we anticipate Easter Sunday when He will rise again, believe in faith, look to Jesus in these couple of days, consider His passion. And devote yourself to faithful service to your family, to your neighbors in need, to the hurting and sad world as they face their own affliction. Point them to the Savior and endure affliction because God delivers salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have endured great affliction for our salvation. We praise you, God the Father, that you sent Jesus the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive us our many sins, help us to endure by faith, and to devote in faithfulness to your service, to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.